0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, 60 minutes, and all the opinions we can spout forth in that time. I'm Harriet Minter. I'm a journalist and broadcaster, and I am here because I have a lot of opinions on a lot of things. Um, but I'm here with my fabulous co-hosts, and they're going to introduce themselves now. Natalie, tell us
2: about you. So Natalie Campbell, uh, the original badass, as Emma Sexton likes to call me. That's how I start all of my presentations. The day job is running a very good company. Um, and just this week, I was confirmed as the chair of the Nominet Trust, Ooh, which is absolutely okay. amazing. Party. Congratulations. Uh, but I feel subpar Badass this week because i have a broken toe and i've been running all over town and i'm absolutely knackered but i'm getting on a plane at the end of the day
0: yay
1: Mm -hmm. um i would have more sympathy but you've been running all over town in heels so that does not help a broken toe
2: i don't have shoes that enable style and comfort of supporting a broken toe that's the reality (laughs) (laughs) i
1: mean i feel there's a business opportunity there but we'll come back to it Um,
3: Emma, tell us about you, Madeline. Hi, Harriet. So my name's Emma Sexton. I've had a really busy week. Um, so we run—I have a design agency. We have two businesses. One is a design agency, and as part of that, we run the UK's only in-house design awards. So that was our big event last year. So I'm not going to lie, a little bit tired today. yeah but, um it was tired sad. and emotional, babe. Tired and emotional. Yes. No, it was good. <laughs> it was a good event. Thanks. They're all good.
1: Yay! Well, congratulations and welcome back. So as ever, we are going to start our little hour of fun with a roundup of this week's news and all the things that have been bugging us and annoying us in the past seven days. Um, I'm going to kick it off because I am just eye-rollingly unbelievably annoyed with this story. Bono. Oh, I'm re- yes. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's always a bit uh, with Bono, mm. isn't it? Bless him. But Bono has been voted as, or awarded, the Glamour Woman of the Year Award. Which was a whole new thing about Bono that I didn't realise that he was in fact a woman. Um, Maybe I should have done. But (laughs) I didn't know that he was a woman and I'm annoyed that he has got a Woman of the Year Award. Yes, me too. So a bit of background, like the whole award is around somebody who has done something really great to promote women's rights, to bring other women up, to champion them. And I know that Bono has done a lot of great charity work in this area, but... I don't think he should have been. I don't think he should have been given the Woman of the Year award because he is not a woman.
3: And quite frankly, I don't think he should have, accept, should have accepted it. No, agree. I can't help but think that this was a, a PR stunt to get some attention that's gone really wrong.
1: Do you think? I, I don't know if it has gone really wrong though, because they've got the attention right, and that's what they
2: wanted. But I, sorry, wait, I've just realised last year they awarded Woman of the Year to Caitlyn Jenner. So I feel like there's there's something going on here oh. where it's just like obviously us women aren't good enough to be women of the year, <laughs> basically. That this is what they're saying. You can't be a woman saying. and be woman of the year. No. You
3: have to be transgender or bono.
2: Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs>
3: So I think Caitlin Jenner would say
1: she is a woman, but I I know where you're coming from. And also, I I mean, it just makes me question whether Glamour knows something about Bono that the rest of us don't. (laughs) uh, um, I I think there's this idea that actually is about sensationalism rather than reality. And there are so many brilliant, incredible women out there doing amazing stuff that aren't being recognized for this like who would you have picked now nah, if you could have picked a woman of the year who would it have been of
2: course michelle obama
1: oh you stole that from me i know but of course she's like women of, of the world of 2016
2: rihanna can i have
1: rihanna yeah, i mean have beyonce yeah. yeah you can have you rihanna go. but i think we're all like mm-hmm. um no we love rihanna but i don't know if she's woman of the year babe is she really empowering other women yes to that's a whole other show, the real yeah. topic, especially with that's on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. We'll come <laughs> we'll back to go Rihanna go. Um so I would have actually have picked this week she's been in the news a woman called Gina Miller. And she is the woman who is leading the charge basically to have um the Brexit not overturned but certainly put through Parliament and reassessed by MPs rather than just going straight for article 50 Mm -hmm. Um, and she is incredible she is a former model turned banker turned philanthropist she has an incredible backstory about her whole relationships um and she has received so much abuse Mm. in the last few months and she's just riding it through where others have dropped out behind her somebody like that surely is a better woman of the year
3: definitely but there is something about getting men involved in the conversation and do and and recognize you know bono has done some great work but i almost feel like just create another award category and acknowledge the men that are helping and empowering uh, women you know and make him man of the year for doing that i agree i agree and also wouldn't have been nice if actually he'd said do you know what
1: thanks for this award that's really kind of you but i'm actually not going to accept it because this is about
2: women
3: yes and
1: yep. I'm going to step back from the limelight mm. and let the women take centre stage.
2: Glamour could have still then received all of the PR yep. and all of the conversation had that have happened. And I hope maybe on reflection that is what happens because it does. It sends a message, and I say this maybe every single week, it sends a message to the young girl somewhere in Lancaster or sitting, I'll go with the Earls, in lincolnshire and she opens this magazine and when she sees people awarded, they are men fine on the caitlin Jenner but we all know that she was he sort of the week before the award was 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 announced that's the reality so and I you I Harry I can see you sort of saying you know you're pausing but that is the reality for a young girl who doesn't really know um she's not in our politically correct world as far as she's concerned this person was a man now they're a woman and they get awards That's it. It's as simple as that. And like what I want a young girl somewhere, you know, to know is that women are amazing. We do win awards because we do do we do amazing things. And that is not clear. That's not apparent.
1: Or is the flip of the Caitlin Jenner thing the fact that actually she had to become a woman to win an award? That's that's the other way of looking at it. I mean I have a bigger problem with Caitlyn Jenner and what she thinks being a woman is about, but like actually I don't think you can say Well when
2: Caitlin was Bruce He also won awards because he was an Olympian and he won awards then. So I just, I I want young girls to know that they can be who they are. They don't need to be Wonder Woman. They don't need to be mythical. They don't need to previously have been a man. And they don't need to be Bono
3: to be awarded and be brilliant. You need those role models. You need to see people doing things. That's sure.
1: true. And I think it's a very good point. Ladies, you do not need to be Bono. Nobody needs to be Bono.
2: <laughs> not even Bono. <laughs> now, what's the new story that you've been thinking about this week? So for me, it's um, I am very pleased uh, that John Lewis has uh, put its first female MD in place. It, it shouldn't be its first female MD, but it, but it, it is what it is. Um, and uh, it, it's, it got me thinking about the fact that when the world is in turmoil, when the men have done their Tasmanian devil dance and, and left a wake of destruction behind them, women usually have to come in and, and clean it all up. And uh, what then happens is we blame them for things that the men did. So we've got Theresa May now in power, and she is getting a rough, you know, raw, raw deal at the minute. But all she's doing is cleaning it up, the mess of of Boris and Gove and Cameron and 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 the boys that that were playing, yeah, I, I love thinking about the you know the was it the Lib Dems or the, or the Green Party that did the ad with the kids and it was like no my toy my toy and Boris comes in on his little scooter. You know the women have come in and they're like right we'll sort this out. We've got Merkel, Chancellor of Germany. We possibly have Clinton, and I like Obama, but you know things are a bit messy in America at the minute. He's done a bit of cleaning up since Bush, and so this new MD going in she's going to hopefully go on a journey of transforming uh john lewis at a time when they're, they're you know they're not doing very well financially
1: but also we know so the research shows that companies are more likely to hire women into a senior position if um they are going through a difficult financial time and that's because actually we've become more open-minded so when we're in turmoil we're like okay we'll just take anything we'll try something different we'll do anything that's going to change this situation so you start looking for things that don't necessarily look exactly like what you've had before mm-hmm. but the flip of this is that I don't know if she is going to be able to clean up John Lewis because that's probably
3: really big structural difficult problems I they've don't got. know I was reading this story and uh yeah seeing that they had an md i was like great and then you read the story and find out they're in trouble and you're like okay here they, here you go and it's a shame that these businesses have to wait until it's like okay last chance saloon we'll try anything let's try a woman you know that's um that seems to be happening all the time but where they're struggling is online and where online comes in is kind of user experience understanding the customer and actually as women we're really good at empathy so i think she's going to do a great job because you really need to understand the new consumer, the way that they're shopping. And I think that this level of empathy will really help the business.
2: Put a bit of background on her. So uh, Paula Nichols, um, she is the only woman to be in charge of a national high street department store group. So given we are the customer, we're still not in the lead there. Um, and she, her, you know, she started on their training program in 1994. So she has been in the business for a solid period of time um, and she's taken on a number of different roles um, she's been the commercial director she's been on she's been on the management board for, for a few years um, and I think she, what actually they've seen is this is someone that brings 22 years worth of experience that's how long she's been in the business 22 years worth of experience of knowing different departments she comes in at the top with that oversight knowing the DNA of what it means to be a partnership led business and she will transform it but I am disappointed that it's been in the wake of destruction of, of the men and if she doesn't deliver really quickly she's going to be slated Marissa yeah, Mayer Marissa at, Mer- ya- at Yahoo yeah, slated at, at, you know, at Yahoo when she took over but Yahoo wasn't doing well. Yep yeah. and actually she's, Marissa Mayer
1: like has Probably bought Yahoo to the place it was only ever gonna to get to anyway, but quicker and with less kind of destruction exactly, but she has been blamed for it, and I think that unfortunately is the culture we have currently around female leaders, so we need some really great ones to do some amazing stuff, please Hillary teresa uh Emma, what's your story of the week?
3: so uh, mine's a story around the male contraceptive, and you know there's findings coming out now that they actually tested the the pill or like the, the um contraception on men they tested it on 320 men 20 of the men suffered the same sort of side effects that women are experiencing with the pill so they decided it wasn't for men what sort of side effects did they suffer oh so lack of libido um, mood swings depression uh you know uh acne um yeah all these sort of levels of discomfort that clearly men can't be expected to put up with yet just the other week you know, there was all, this, all of the um, articles that came out about women being on the pill and how it causes depression. So that's really kind of... So what I think is, like, astonishing within
1: that is that, A, like, did they not think that was going to happen, right? You're putting hormones in somebody's body. It's going to change your hormone makeup. It's going to affect all these things that we know hormones are responsible for. But also that at no point in this story has anyone said, do you know what? We realise this isn't women moaning now. This is a real thing we should look at how we change the pill for women as well where is that
3: yeah that's such a good point i mean the pill i mean nat and i have our perspectives on the pill and having been on the pill and just this sort of general fog that it keeps you in almost permanently you're permanently at this early stage of pregnancy essentially and you never ever i was not working or operating at my full potential as soon as i stopped taking the pill it was like oh my goodness there's this veil that's lifted and when you go on the pill at like 16 and you're on it till say you're 30 you have no idea what it feels like to be a normal human being
2: and now we all know i'm a conspiracy theorist so i believe <laughs> it, it was this is it's been the intention all along to keep us in a state of foggy and <laughs> yeah. clouded judgment to keep us emotional um and you know un- unstable which is why i i hate contraception and i i'm just like anti it um For me, personally, whatever choice women out there want to make is completely up to them. Um, But I agree. And I am really disappointed given that when this was us and the sample size of a million women, you know, the the medical general medical people, again, those people uh, said, you know, it's fine. It's fine. The sample size wasn't big enough. So is
1: this a conspiracy or are we reading too much into it? Has the pill given us more than it's taking away? We're going to discuss that in our next section. But right now we're going to take a little break, have a little drink, and we'll see you after a short break. Welcome back. This is the Badass Women's Hour. I'm Harriet Minter with my co-hosts Emma Sexton. Hi. And Natalie Campbell. Hola. <laughs> and we are talking about uh, male contraceptive, the pill and what, it's, what we're putting into our bodies and whether women are not being taken seriously about how we feel about it. So before we left, we were talking about, that was raising the point, is the pill a big old conspiracy to keep <laughs> women down? <laughs> we think it is. <laughs> so I want to throw in here that I, I've, I've been on the pill and it was actually really good for my skin and it was really good for me not having a baby. But I definitely put on loads of weight and it killed my libido and it did make me... Probably quite. I think my boyfriend at the time would have said a bit of a psycho. Um, <laughs> what did he make you a bit of a? Psycho? <laughs> did he make a good point, Emma? Um, so I didn't love it, but I am actually really, really appreciative of it because we really slammed the pill. But if we didn't have it, would we be sitting here today? No, we'd be at home
2: with twenty babies doing some washing up. Well, no, there is an alternative that we shun men all together <laughs> and be like No No, but it's I mean, we do there is we do have a choice here.
3: I really like men. Both Stop of you that. are looking
2: at me like I'm absolutely insane. But we do have a choice. We could have been Joan of Arc or uh Bildiceo, however you say her name, and you know, we could have shunned men and taken over and been like amazing warriors. Zina Warrior Princess. How? i didn't I'm have sorry. any babies.
1: Of all so. the ideas that you've had, this is the worst one ever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I like I mean I I might make a mental decision to stay away with them, but physically <laughs> that's not gonna happen. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm
2: just saying I I agree with you on that if we didn't have the pill, we we would be at home chained to a sink with lots of kids behind us. But you equally we could have shunned them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, shunned men and, and the babies so is
1: that our choice is our choice go on the pill or be celibate
2: <laughs> no because that is not a choice that's torture <laughs> <laughs> what Look, I mean, I'm just saying there's another way ladies
3: there's okay. not another way that is not
2: another
1: way
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there is a, there are other options though right so we never talk about condoms why
3: do we never talk about condoms because uh, we all hate them do we all hate them yes I don't, do we yes do you hate them Emma? They're not my preference, but I don't hate them. Do you know what? I think what's good about them is that you clearly know if it's working or it's not working.
2: <laughs> you know? I had an argument with a guy that I was seeing about this uh, because I believe, so I was like, if I have to look after my own contraceptive health, I should not have to buy condoms. That's yes. your job. Yes. And he was like, no, uh, at your house, you should buy them. At my house, I will buy them. I was like, D- whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm all about equality here. So therefore, I'm not telling you how to look after yourself. And I'm not expecting you to to intervene in how I look after myself. Sort yourself out. And he was like, that is the most selfish thing I've ever heard.
1: (laughs) And also, guys, like it takes two to make a baby. If you don't want to have a baby, wrap it up. Yes. So, But on the male contraceptive, Emma, would you trust a guy if he came to your house, you're having a lovely time? and He's
3: like, don't worry, baby. I've got this. I'm on the pill you're asking me to trust somebody whether they take a contraceptive pill and they they would not actually physically have to carry the truck. there's no consequence for them missing a pill right there's a big consequence for us if you don't take your contraception you're going to be in trouble if you don't want to be in that kind of trouble for a guy where's your consequence so where's mm. your motivation to to maintain that like yeah i'm no, no. i'm sorry i wouldn't it's like no. when um it's-
1: probably too much information but it's like when you're going out with a guy and he's like don't worry I promise I won't I'll pull out and he's like no I'm not sure I trust you on that
2: one I have six brothers and just you know just the most basic of stuff to remember doesn't really happen um, so I'm like I would never trust a man
1: so uh, I think there's something about... That, that's
2: a big statement there. I would never trust a man. You would
3: never trust a man. I think as a, what as, as my a,
2: therapist no, think I, about I, that? I think, that think it's statement.
3: not men. I think as a human being, you have to be responsible for your own actions, don't you? And Agreed. if you don't want to have a baby, you have to make the choice. And if you're a guy and you don't want kids, you have to take responsibility for making sure you don't get someone else pregnant. Like, that's being a grown-up, is it not? Yes.
1: It is. And speaking of being a grown-up, there's stuff that comes with being a grown-up that you don't have as a teenage girl. And one of those things or in fact two of those things, is boobs. So we're going to be talking (laughs) about boobs. I've always had boobs. (laughs) So I've always had boobs, actually, as a teenager too. They came very (laughs) early in my life. Um, So this is because of this news story this week that apparently cleavage is out. Well, says Vogue. Says Vogue, the fashion bible, darling. Cleavage is out of fashion. And I, for one, am, like, devastated because, quite frankly, I mean you can't see me because this is radio but if you could you would see that I bring two things to a relationship (laughs) and they are right in front of me so I am very very worried about what we're going to do Cleavage is out and I am do you agree with Vogue Emma has it gone
3: um I don't agree with Vogue, but I do think that there's been a shift in fashion. I do think that, you know, before fashion was a lot more, I think, through the male gaze, and I'm seeing new brands um, arising. I'm seeing women nowadays dressing in a far more kind of androgynous way, and it's less sexy through that kind of male gaze and more, yeah, it's, it's just different. And I just don't think, even as a woman myself growing up, I just don't feel like I want to put mine on display
2: interesting now what do you think so it was a woman that didn't have boobs until they were 30
1: yeah I did not have boobs for a really long time I was just staring at that's boobs because they're great where have they come
2: from so they just appeared one day <laughs> cosmetically <laughs> and, or no, no they're, <laughs> they're real but seriously my whole childhood growing up I always thought I, it, I was a B cup and then I got to 30 and maybe it's also the extra stone that I have um, on my body yes I still count in stones not kilograms I don't understand that Uh, I now have these boobs and I'm like I'm going to show them off so I really like not I like low cut tops I like shirts with open buttons um, and I love it on women when I see you know a really well crafted dress and a
3: good bit of boob yeah Yeah. that's true side boob
2: oh
1: love side boob yeah It's true. But is this different from the traditional cleavage? Because where this story has come from is it's sort of been pushed by this younger generation. So the Gigi Hadids, the uh, Taylor Swifts, who are kind of, they're tall, they're skinny, they're young. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a fact, you know, you do have less cleavage when you're young. And they are moving away from this kind of uh, traditional, not traditional, but I guess kind of where we've been in the 90s and the early 2000s of hoikem up. Give yourself a bit of a shelf. Get a top as low as you can, and have essentially two two bowling balls under your dress. And there now, no, we can have them, but I want a top that's slit down to my waist, and still you're just seeing kind of clavicle and chest. You're not seeing boobs. Mm. Is that fashion? Do we
3: like that? I think there's a backlash, isn't there? Because I think there's a backlash against the whole cosmetic enhanced. Uh, fake boobs so if you're a super skinny model in the fashion industry you have no other option so if you don't have the fake boobs and that's not the look that's in you've got to embrace your no boob look so I think they're almost just going oh well you know what we can't have what us three ladies are are blessed with so we're just going to decide that boobs are out and that really
1: annoys me okay so this for me is a level of fashion elitism and snobbery that I get really really angry about Because I feel like particularly Vogue, particularly Vogue, really pushes what they think fashion should be. And really, it comes from a minority of women. It comes from a minority of women who have a particular type of look, a particular type of style, and who are happy to kind of live off six Brazil nuts a day (laughs) in order to fit that aesthetic. What about actually the real women out there who don't fit that aesthetic and want to look and feel different and they're being
3: told their whole body is no longer no fashion no longer fashionable but do people listen to vogue for me vogue is fantasy world and it's kind of it's it's almost an art piece if i buy vogue i'm buying it to kind of see aspirational like almost art and i don't necessarily that some of that then filters down to high street and i think we as you know consumers in the street we we convert that fashion to a way that looks it's more like street style.
2: I also think, um, again, it's a conversation that's going to play out at a very elitist level. But I'm I'm going to go back to that young girl in Lancaster or a girl walking around in London. These girls don't have their boobs out anymore. They're wearing hoodies and jumpers and oversized clothes and and they're dressing in a far more androgynous or just street style way. So they're not particularly interested in whether or not Vogue thinks they should or shouldn't have their boobs out. It's not how they dress anyway. That's what I've noticed.
1: So that's true. But then, so I asked a guy's opinion on this yesterday. (laughs) So I said, like, if we were, I asked... I asked my personal trainer for his... Oh, How old 20- is he? 28, bless him. <laughs> He's lovely. Um, I asked him for his opinion on whether cleavage was going out fashion and his response was, not on my Instagram account. <laughs> and I think that what's in this is that actually, have we got to a point where fashion... What's fashionable... And what's attractive are two completely different They've things. They've always been different.
3: Yes. Yeah, women have always dressed for other women for fashion. Guys have always. But been... how many times have you had a conversation with guys? He's gone like, I don't get your outfit. You know? <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't care. They really like. There's a completely different aesthetic for guys. They're yeah. not interested.
1: So, are we saying that actually, by kind of moving away from cleavage and moving away from boobs, is this about women reclaiming something for themselves?
2: No, I, d- I don't think it's even as deep as that. I think, you know, going exactly to your point, um, Vogue being the sort of publication it is, is making a statement, talking to an elitist crowd. Um, the reality is, is if, if we want to have our boobs out, we will. My main concern is that we don't dictate to young girls what they should and shouldn't be wearing. Um, and as far as I can see, it yeah, yeah it won't go past us. You know.
1: Is it healthier to have Vogue? Telling young girls what they should and shouldn't be wearing, rather than an Instagram or social media feed.
3: I don't think Vogue are as influential as they think they are. No, Instagram feeds yeah. and Snapchat is and far more influential. Bloggers, like fashion bloggers, are far more inspirational. Who's the woman in the state? Sincerely, Jules. I mean, the amount of people who dress like her, I've got her on my Pinterest board quite a bit. <laughs> but she's not led by Vogue. I haven't not seen her style in Vogue. She has her own, like LA kind of style.
1: Nice. So, is is fashion now about? is it more uh is it less elitist than it has been or is it is it still elitist in a little area
2: fashion as the industry is completely elitist but what is happening is that style and a a fashionable sensibility has become more mainstream and anyone no matter where they are can use social media to push and project their own version of themselves out there and i think what that then means is that um people can choose you can choose to you know to wear street style if you're all about the cleavage there are lots of women that, that dress in that way that that you can um follow uh you know if your your style is completely boho or just whatever you want to wear there's something for everyone and i think that is is important so i think what we're saying is if you love your boobs you can keep showing them off
1: yes um and also I just want to throw in there also if you do love them, do check them, ladies. That's really important. That
3: totally yes. Or Very get important. someone else to check them. Or for get you.
1: someone else to check them for you. But also <laughs> check that when they say they're on the male contraceptive, they really are. <laughs> uh, so we're going into a break now. We'll be back in part three where we'll be talking about our problem page and our badass balls up. Um every week we ask you for your problems, so do tweet us. Um you can tweet me at Harriet Minter or At Nat D. Campbell. Or Emma Sexton. And we will answer with our combined 100 years of mistakes, bad decisions and learnt wisdom and we'll try and tell you what to do. So we'll be back to discuss that after a short break. So welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Uh, And we are going into our badass balls up So the problem page section Where we try and solve all your problems Or possibly make them worse Emma, start us off What's the problem that you have this week?
3: Yes, I've got a great single girlfriend And she's been dating this year And she's kind of ready for a relationship And she's like, I just keep meeting this man We start off dating, it's all great But the constant narrative is You know what, I'm not ready for a relationship like and she's going, Is this me? Like there's a bit of a pattern with the guy she's dated this year or oh, actually is this just guys' default setting until they've really worked out what they what they want. So she's a bit like, should I just walk away from these guys when they say they don't want a relationship? Or should I just hang in there and see if they change their mind? <sighs> walk
1: away. <laughs> have I walk a away. Can um, um,
3: so I think it's
1: so I'm actually as I'm saying this, I'm looking at Nat and she's flicking mm. through her phone. And have I feel like we've just entered a generation where we just flick through stuff. Mm. We flick through and we are completely uncommitted because we think there's constantly something better around the corner.
2: Yeah, I was just on Tinder. That, yeah. yeah. Making the most of every spare second. <laughs> uh that's how it goes in this dating game. Um and uh, yeah, I and I I think that is part of the challenge. We are in a place where there is so much option and so much available that it's easy to say i don't want a relationship because you can be in multiple relationships in any one you know any one year whereas before to get into a relationship pre-technology or pre you know easy apps you may have had to go out you know go out and and speak to people and, and do stuff whereas now i can be a slob in my pjs looking completely unglamorous and talk to a guy which just wouldn't happen if we were out on the street can I just have you ever seen the Amy Schumer
1: video about sexting no where she's sitting on the sofa and she gets this text message and he's like hey baby what are you wearing and she's, like, down. she's like pajamas with cats on them she's like
2: ooh nothing <laughs> that you know that you can you can go wherever you want um, with, with, with technology and, and be whoever you want which is also uh, slightly dangerous but I do think it means that more and more guys and women too are saying I don't want to be in a relationship. But I I dispute that in that I think, going back to you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the basis of everyone is meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. So if someone says they don't want to be in a relationship, I would question that, because relationships and meaningful ones at that are fundamental to just survival.
3: It's true. And I think there's something as well. You know, whenever I've dated a guy who so said he doesn't want to be in a relationship, they're just never quite... Giving. and then you get into all those roles where you're like, well, I, I just want to text and say hi because he's a friend, but I, if I, I don't want to text him because he might think I want a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, do you know what? Actually, I get to the point where I'm like, that's just boring.
1: Yeah, It is boring, but I wonder if when people are saying, men and women, people are saying, I don't want to be in a relationship, what they're really saying is I don't want to be in the wrong relationship. And in fact, it's about kind of giving them time and space to break through that barrier and be like, actually, I didn't want to be in a relationship, but I kind of love being with this person and being with somebody else wouldn't fulfill that same need.
3: I read a, a, a excerpt, I was in a bookshop the other day and there was a book from the School of Life about relationships and I was flicking through and actually I opened it on the page that said when you meet somebody, what you should actually do is go all in for three months and give it three months and be in a relationship and then evaluate it after three months and I think that's I think that's a good approach it's almost like do a probation period and go right we're just going to go for this for three months and then we'll evaluate it at the end
1: I, oh, I, I can't. can't putting that on my Tinder profile sounds dangerous
3: yeah.
2: I mean <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm like I would go on uh, Married at First Sight I know we discussed it last week I'm obsessed with the show you love I, that show um, I'm, I'm like let's hand it over to the science Let, really yeah yeah
1: okay well when that happens we'll have a special married at first sight edition we've with got Nat to find the guy
3: that husband. can actually commit to doing that yes, <laughs> that's exactly. going to be the challenge <laughs> <laughs> when they don't want a relationship yeah um so i think what we're saying is it's not her
1: it's actually probably everyone society. yeah it's society and when you meet somebody who maybe doesn't want a relationship but really really likes you maybe they'll change their minds but don't hang around for the ones that don't want a relationship, but do want to see you at 2am on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's your problem this week? Uh,
2: so this uh, comes uh, via a conversation I was having, and um, it, it relates to uh, the board bit that I referenced earlier. So boards, and this is boards of organisations, both private organisations and public organisations, have have a long way to go in terms of gender Uh, balance so the majority of these boards are are comprised of men public boards uh we're about 26 uh, percent of women on 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 private organization boards and FTSE 100 so the question was uh how do i bring more women on board my board um how do i get them engaged how do i start to recruit them And I think it's an interesting question because when you bring diversity into your organisation, especially at that leadership level, you have diversity of thought. It means you start to understand your customers in a different way. It means you don't have groupthink, which is where everyone just sort of consents and and, and does the same thing. It means you have people that can challenge. So it's very important. Um, But it's not an easy process to go through because A, you need to go out there and find the right sort of, of women, and and you want you know you're recruiting based on talent. It should always be about talent, um, but you want to make sure that it's not then seen as tokenism. Like you're saying, well, I need a woman, so let me go off and find one. You know your motivations for why you're doing it.
1: So I think actually it's not that hard. Do you know what everyone says? Oh, it's so hard! It's so hard to find a good woman to be on my board. It's so hard to find a brilliant woman who's talented. I know hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of brilliant, talented interesting, thoughtful, intelligent women who cannot get a board position for love nor money. Mm. And they never get approached for them. They never get asked about them. They might get pulled into an interview and then they get, oh, you've been really great, but actually we've gone for this guy. It's They are everywhere. And I think if you are looking for a woman to be on your board or in any position of your company, the easiest thing to do is ask another woman. Mm. Just ask them, can you recommend somebody for this job? And they will have five that they can send you
2: that makes sense and just to to add to the point i think what companies need to be aware of is it can't be a we need a woman go off and find one that's where they need to reframe the conversation think about the skill set of everyone sitting around the table and look at the skills that you need and talent do you disagree it should I just disagree. be just go get, get me disagree. a woman
1: yeah it should be it should be like actually i'm looking around my table and my table right now is a load of white men I need to put some diversity on here. So do you know what? I am going to recruit
3: a woman. Yes, because there's a whole thing. I'm totally pro quotas because actually a lot of people, a lot of men are in these positions because of privilege and their network and the women are always like, I should be there on talent. I should be there on fairness. It's like, why? Because... Quite the majority of the other people in the room are not there on fairness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that we ended up with an all-male board because we only hired
3: on talent?
2: No, I agree. But, you know, let's not reduce ourselves to what the men do. Let's have higher standards, ladies. It's true,
3: but I'd I'd like to get the women there first. Use quotas to get the women there Mm. because then you can start to then change yeah totally and also i think there's a lot of women who are just like oh i don't think i could do a board position you hear that all the time yeah. you know women just don't go for those so i think there's also something about women finding a company that they're interested in and saying can i sit on the board as a non-exec and do that and maybe they don't get paid initially but once you're on one board i'm sure that would lead you to being able to access other boards and possibly that then leading on to paid positions
1: yeah yeah i mean I th- I think they should be paid.
3: But I also think this whole kind
1: of, you know, oh, we don't want it to be tokenism. We want the best person for the job. There is no best person for the job. There really isn't. There is probably a group of people who can do that job. And within that, there will be some people who will do it in some ways and some people who will do it in other ways. So
3: true. And how many people do you talk to who are like CEOs of businesses going, I don't really know what I'm doing? Yeah
2: i agree but as a chair of a board i'm going i need to be responsible here and my my feeling is is that it you should plot out the skills and talent that you need this is my advice to this person you need you know look at the skills and the talent that, uh, that, that you need around the table and yes make a concerted um decision to say you also then want diversity because diversity of thought is very important and then go out and recruit
3: what about hiring somebody for your board or taking somebody on who is not quite got the experience and skills but you are willing to mentor and support them as part of the board process is that something that a board could do
2: yeah and it depends on which board and you know there's a pathway you guys know I've, i've been sitting on boards since the age of 20 24 that is totally badass can i say totally badass um so i've been doing this for 10 years you know i wouldn't be recruited to the boards i am now at 24 or 25 but there are definitely boards that you can join at that age where the other people are also you know of a a younger age and you grow and develop together but you have to nurture it and the pathway just as much you would your normal sort of day-to-day career it's 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 a both both sides have to work at it okay
1: so final problem for today, we are looking at money. So this one comes from a friend of mine who feels they should be saving for a house and they are looking at buying a house. They really want to do it. They know they need to start getting a deposit together and then it's going to be a long process, but they're living in London. It's an expensive city. They're not being paid great money and they find that everything they earn is just going straight back out the door again. So how do you start
3: saving to get together that money? Oh, it's super tough. You've definitely got to at least prioritise getting your <laughs> fund together.
1: What is a f- fund? Can we say that? We're going to have to bleep it. What is a word beginning with f that we would bleep
3: out fund it's basically a fund that especially all women should have but probably everybody should have that's kind of your it's your escape route it's your exit plan so it's say three months of living expenses so that you know that if you're in a job that you hate where they're treating you really badly you can leave immediately you don't even have to think about it you're in a relationship that's toxic you can leave you don't even have to think about it very important to get that at least get that and perhaps a practice run for getting that fund together should get you on your way to saving for your house I ha- I have
2: all sorts of funds so I had a i'm 33 fund um <laughs> what was the i'm 33 fund was that the fun fund that was the fun <laughs> fund so it basically meant on my 33rd birthday i could go and do something ridiculously crazy which was going to be paying for everyone to go to ibiza on and hang out on a boat but i actually spent it all lot and went to spain for all of august and
3: yeah. how long were you saving for that fund um for about you? Yeah. Okay. I
2: gave my friend money each month and I was like, just take this money and this is my fun fund.
1: So that's really interesting. So you actually gave the money to someone else and so you couldn't
2: access yet. it. There was no point in me trying to put it in a bank. I'd just take it out as soon as I saw a dress that I wanted to buy. Um, so I've got that fund and then I've obviously got sort of serious long term fund that just cannot be touched, accessed. And then I have my, what am I going to do this quarter fund, which is why I put money down just in case I need to do something interesting that quarter, like go to Barcelona this evening. Um, And And it's all related to fun and it's not complete, it's not saving. But this is my challenge now. As an adult woman who is also single and doesn't own a home, I need to start consolidating all of this into a longer term plan that's going to get me somewhere.
1: And as an adult woman who does love an expensive dress, Mm -hmm. how do you make those decisions between what you're going to save for and what
2: you're going to spend? um i base it on i'm very much no one knows what tomorrow holds and i give myself everything i want um that is my badass <laughs> you know route through life so i make a decision around um what i spend and 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 how it makes me feel and and you know whether or not i i need it and then i also think longer term so if i did you know want to take 6 months out can i afford to do that um, if I do want to buy a house, the reality is I live in London Any you know, living in zone two is going to cost me a lot of money. So I make decisions based on the things that I want, but it's very immediate and it's a lot more short term than I think generally in life, which is always you know quite long term and, and sort of five years in, in ahead.
1: So I really have had to learn how to save because I'm really bad at it. And I certainly throughout the whole of my 20s, I had the principle of I just give myself what I want. Mm. And unfortunately, that ended with me at the end of my 20s with the similar amount of debt as to my age. So, <laughs> um, And that was like, that wasn't a great place. And it's taken me years and years to claw my way out of that debt and to pull together enough money to have a deposit. And that has essentially been really, really hard.
3: Should we be encouraging people to start saving earlier? Yes. I think so, but it's really hard, isn't it? Because in your 20s, you're constantly striving to earn more money and actually your lifestyle, and the money I used to spend in my 20s, I earned the least and spent the most. You know, I was constantly buying new clothes, constantly going out drinking, eating. And now I've reached this age where I'm like, actually, I probably spend... I earn more but I actually spend less. I think it's I think it's easier to save at the point that I am in my life now because I've done my I deserve it and I've thrown my money away on designer clothes and actually I'm a bit bored because I'm like well I still get I still get bored of that designer jacket as quickly as I got bored of my Zara jacket. So actually why am I wasting all this money? So I think there's something about just letting yourself go for it and spend and then get it out of your system and then you'll realise that none of this stuff really brings you joy and you'll be like actually I'm on to the next. What I would say is
2: that for a young person starting now I would open a pension and just put a small bit of money away each month um, and just have it as a long-term fund. If if I could go back and I could change my own behaviour that's the thing that I would focus on. And should we be encouraging people to save for a house or actually are we all obsessed with the homeowning
1: dream and it's not? Yeah, it's not a viable I'm, option i'm
2: over it. it's not that it's not it's not a viable option potentially in london depending on your salary base but there you know there's more than london and that's yeah. one of the things that i'm thinking about i would just say start saving don't don't allocate it towards anything just save for whatever and just get into the habit because it's a habit that's the most important thing building a habit of saving um and I'm actually maybe, maybe I'm going to make a commitment right here today. Ooh, love <laughs> it. I, I am going to save the equivalent of what I spend. That right? So it's going to be a 50/50 split. Let's see. So Nat has just bought a really really expensive
1: dress. So her savings yeah. fund is off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm starting from today, not yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, today. we're going to catch up and see how that goes. I want to know. Okay. Uh, so we're going to take a little break now, but we'll be back for the final section of our show, where we'll be talking about our amazing heroines and our backdated badass, the woman that has inspired us this week, um, and we'll also be rounding up and telling you what you should be living your life by in the coming days. I'm Harriet Minter and I am here with Emma Sexton, Natalie Campbell, and we are going to be talking now about our backdated badass, so a woman who we feel has been erased from history, or certainly not enough has been made of her. And this week, it is Nat's heroine. Nat, tell us about her.
2: So my just absolute all-time favourite woman is Amelia Earhart, and um, she was an American aviation pioneer and also an author. Uh, She was the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean and she received um, the US Distinguished Flying Cross for this. Uh, But why I love her is just some of the things that she has said. So do you guys know the quote, never interrupt someone doing what you said couldn't be done? Oh, that's a good one. That's one of hers. Um, The most effective way to do it is to do it. Women must try to do things as men have tried. When they when they fail, their failure must be but a challenge to others. Ooh. So it's her saying that you know, don't let being a woman stop you from doing the things that you want to do. And if you fail, actually, it's just a challenge for another woman to try it in a different way. Which goes back to the through know, what we're talking about in terms of um, you know the first female MD of uh, John Lewis, and it's just. I I love her way of thinking and I visualize this woman flying alone you know across the Atlantic with her just herself um she was not thinking about contraception at all because she's like it's just me in the cockpit doing my thing you know it's a different type of cock but still <laughs>
3: I've got visions of her flying past doing like the like sticking her fingers up in the air which Yeah, she exactly.
2: <laughs> um and so she did this and then uh she went missing. And people assumed that she crashed uh and 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 died while on a, on a mission. Uh but just this week they think that they have matched some uh remains so some bones to her uh and therefore she was possibly a castaway. So she she crashed um or was on an island and couldn't get off. Um and actually, so she died as a as a castaway on an island um which for me is it, not it's not the ending that I want for her. I want the ending of she just flew off into the sunset and and remains flying. Sharing and her wisdom and her energy for for women for all eternity. And
1: that is a lovely ending but not one supported by gravity, unfortunately. So,
3: what goes up must come down. Um, Maybe she went to the island so she didn't get pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Just a thought. Just the only woman. She wasn't thinking about contraception. That would be a good solution, right?
1: But what I love about that story is I actually quite like her kind of ending her days on this deserted island because that feels like the sort of thing that you read about in books all the time but it's only ever happening to the men so when i was growing up i loved an adventure story i loved a story of pirates and sailing the seven seas but it was only men who ever did it it was only men in those stories so actually to have a female adventuress feels really exciting
2: yeah she so what another quote i I just love them the most difficult thing is the decision to act the rest is merely tenacity The fears are paper tigers. Oh, I just love her. You can do anything you decide to do. You can act to change and control your life. The procedure, the process is is in itself its own reward. So she's just saying, just do it. The reward is just doing it. Don't worry about the outcome. Don't worry about the end. Just do it.
1: What's one scary thing that you have just done and the process
2: was worth it? oh my whole bleeding life oh yeah. <laughs> every Monday I wake up and I'm like oh, go on I'm going to be through the ringer this week let's get ready a few stretches bit of a yoga warm up let's go yeah
3: what about you Emma have you ever taken my... off anywhere or done anything scary uh, yeah loads actually and I, I kind of make it a daily thing to push myself out of my comfort zone I, fears become a bit of a game for me so whenever I feel scared or anxious it's a dare to, to do it and see what happens because 9 times out of 10 and that that fear is bigger than the, the reality. So it's a it's a constant thing. And I always see it as like my training as, as well, especially being in business. Setting up my business is one of the big things. And I think since setting up my business, I feel like I'm on a constant adventure. And it's actually one of my daily things in business is I do stuff and I make stuff happen purely for the adventure to see what happens. You know, and quite often people are like, well, you're a bit insane for doing that conference. You're a bit insane for running that thing. I'm like, yeah, I am, but... I just wanted to have an adventure and see if I could do it and see what would happen. So yeah. So I remember when I was twenty two, twenty-three
1: and I'd just broken up with someone and I got, it was like February, I got the flu, I was really ill and I was in bed and I obsessively watched Dirty Dancing Two Havana Nights <laughs> <laughs> and I got so into this which was, and it was set in Cuba. I I genuinely believed it was filmed in Cuba. It wasn't, it was filmed in Costa Rica, but never mind. Um it was set in Cuba. And I got obsessed with the idea of going to Cuba. So one night, whilst with a bit of a fever and slightly hallucinating, I just booked a flight to Cuba two weeks later. Got on the flight, having not done any research about Cuba, not really knowing anything about it, and completely unaware of the fact that actually Spanish is the dominant language and not many people speak English. I do not speak a word of Spanish and I landed and I thought that I'd booked somebody to come pick me up from the airport they didn't turn up I thought I'd bought dollars nobody was taking them and I th- and nobody spoke English so the people were trying to point me towards this cash, mas- cash machine so I could get some cash and I didn't know what they were saying and I didn't know what they are doing and I had this absolute panic I was like oh my god what have I done I just need to get on the plane and go home again <laughs> and I, ha- I pulled myself and I was like Harriet this is an adventure and you have to go and make the most of the adventure and it was amazing i did get conned twice but apart from that it was amazing <laughs> that's
3: a great story and i it? think
1: should we be encouraging girls actually going back to what we were saying before should we be encouraging young women not to save for a house or some sort of picket fence future mm. should we be saying that effort fund that
3: is the money to go see the world and have a really big adventure yeah well i think you have to balance it right you have to balance the live for now but also you know you could live to your 90 so you know let, and it's just about chunking down your money and going okay here's a chunk of money i'm going to be frivolous with this i'm not going to apologize for that i'm going to blow it on a night out or a nice dress but actually there's a percentage of that that i am going to stick away or I'm, you know so it's, it's just balance isn't it too much of too much of a good thing is never healthy I say work out what makes
2: you feel alive when I was 19 I went travelling around the world I am not a, a backpacker type of girl so we were like we're going to go in helicopters and limos thanks very much <laughs> uh, so me and two friends um, you know we worked we took a gap year and worked I worked three jobs just to say for a six week trip travelling around the world but in style like full <laughs> on style I don't even think I could afford that trip now Um and it was amazing we had just the experience we had at 19 seeing the world through the through that lens at that level for me just set me on a completely different pathway and i think i would encourage all young women to just do something that is so outside of who they are and what they know that it opens their eyes in a way that you know that they can't predict
3: yeah and also you've got to think society is kind of gives you these like life successes Mm. you know and everybody seems really focused on that oh so I've got to get the house and I've got to have the big wedding day and I've got to have the dress and then I've got to have the baby and like actually you know just just step back from all of that because you know there's a there's a lot of conditioning in terms of like that's they're the success measures but actually there's a lot about living for today and having some experiences so this I
1: think takes us nicely into our badass principle for the week and this is what we encourage you to live your life by this week and see what happens for you so Nat tell us what is it this week
2: inspired by the wonderful Amelia Earhart it's pursue wonder (gasps) beautiful I mean that's going to look great on an Instagram shot but what does that mean (laughs) it means go and find moments when you feel absolutely curious about your surroundings when you're you know, you you can hold your breath and and take in the moment around you, and I don't mean get on a plane. I have moments of wonder walking around London when I just look up, or I did a ten k and it was uh, in central London and running around sort of St Paul's and those sorts of areas when there are no people, uh, and it was sort of raining and it I, I I really had a moment of wow I am so lucky to be able to be doing this not the run but everything else experiencing <laughs> this moment or you know when it's the season the lights start coming out I'm a twinkly lights girl put me on a road with some twinkly lights and a glass of wine and someone singing something in a corner <laughs> and I am like that's my version of heaven so that that's that's wonder.
3: Emma, what's the, what is
2: wonder for you?
3: Oh, well, definitely the adventure. Like, I just feel really lucky. I mean, lucky and not lucky, because I feel like I've created what I've got now. But I live my life totally authentic to me. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. And every day I have moments of wonder. Like, my whole life is around pursuing wonder.
1: And I think what's so wonderful about that is that it is an everyday thing. It's not a get on the plane and go see some wonder of the world it is look for that little moment that really inspires you and lights you up because it will happen every single day for you and we wish you a beautiful inspired wonderful week thank you for listening i've been harriet minter you can find me on twitter or instagram at harriet minter and
3: thank you to my wonderful co-hosts natalie campbell you can find me at Nat d campbell and emma sexton you can find me at at emma sexton
1: this has been the badass women's hour and we will be here again next week do tweet us email us tell us all your thoughts and opinions we love to hear them and we will put them in the show notes below
0: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF
3: Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues